Hello, I'm Ian Rodwell, and welcome to the Linklater's Ideas Foundry, where we talk about and try to unpick the art of working together in the 21st century organisation. And my guest today is Ali McBurney, a senior learning manager here at Linklater's. Now, Ali has a background in psychology with a particular focus on workplace creativity, an interest which she puts to eminently good use in designing highly creative workshops and events. So when talking about innovation, creativity, and doing interesting and intriguing stuff, Ali was top of my list. So we'll explore why creativity is for everyone, what helps and stops us from being creative, and as always, we'll leave you with three key ideas to take away. So Ali, welcome to the Ideas Foundry. Thank you very much, Ian. Thanks for inviting me. Now, my first question is always the same. I'm really interested in why people are interested in particular things. So so what drew you to creativity as a topic or activity? You know, it's something you studied, but also something that you put into practice every day of the week. Mm. It's going to be an old answer to your first question, Ian, but, you know, I'm not entirely sure, Ian, um, which is probably why I'm drawn to the topic in the first place, because... When we're trying to be creative, there's a real lack of clarity hmm. during most of the creative process. And I uh, I really enjoy problem solving. Uh, and, and, and that includes, for me, the vagueness of not knowing or there even being a right answer. So uh, this is a space that can make a lot of people quite anxious. Um, but for me, I enjoy pondering problems, uh, generating ideas and I enjoy that process almost as much as if not more than actually solving the problem itself um, uh, and and I suppose that's that's of interest to share because it's really what we need to do in order to get more creative and it, uh, I don't know if you've read Guy Claxton's book The Hair Brain and the oh, Tortoise yeah. Mind, yeah. So it's quite, quite well known. But Guy talks about how we solve problems with our fast harebrain mm. or our slower tortoise mind, which is a bit more playful, a bit more leisurely and creative. Uh, so I suppose you could say I'm enjoying using my tortoise brain, Ian. I like the creativity uh, that that gives me. And, and maybe that's potentially what drew me to creativity as a topic. And it's interesting you say about being quite happy in that sort of unsettled, ambiguous state, because I suspect that's why, you know, for many people, they sort of rush through that bit of the process. It is all about getting to the getting to the destination. Yeah. Um, and that before bit has so much value, um, which which leads me on to the second question, which is, you know, many of us don't work in what we might consider as creative industries. So we're not in film, we're not in design. It's not an architectural practice. Um, So why should we pay attention to creativity? Is it just for the few or is it actually for everyone? Mm, um, I'd like everyone to consider themselves as working in a creative industry, but I can see why you've pulled out the film and the arts, and I know that's a passion of yours as well, so I'm not surprised at all, Ian. Um, But I'd say it's for everyone because who doesn't have a problem to solve, right? I mean, it's 
whatever the industry, uh, everyone is faced with a spectrum of change, be that political, economic, commercial, technological, legal, regulatory. So, it, and, and it looks more and more likely that COVID is going to have huge implications for how we work in the future. So, I think there's a danger that if we don't respond to change, we can be left behind. So again, for me, that encapsulates that creativity is for for everyone and, and, and not just for the few. And there have been, as you know, my background, you mentioned in the introduction in psychology, there have been a lot of studies around people's creative potential um, and and there was a survey, I suppose back in 2014, um, on on organisations um, where employees were saying that, that 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 they felt a pressure to be more productive than creative in their work. But when the CEO CEOs of those companies were interviewed and asked what they valued most in their people, they were saying creativity. And the the ability to solve problems and to use their brain power to figure things out. So it's really interesting that more recent research as well in the World Economic Forum are citing key skills in critical thinking, problem solving, adaptability, curiosity, imagination, and they are really bubbling up to the surface as key skills for the future. So for me, this illustrates why we do need to pay attention to creativity and why it's for everyone rather than the few. And it's interesting, isn't that binary distinction between creativity and productivity? Because surely if we're more creative, we will we will be more productive because it is, you know, we will come up with better ideas, greater efficiency, higher, higher quality. And I guess especially in you know the world that we've been living in you know, for the last couple of years where there has been so much, so much change and people have had to find creative solutions to just do the stuff that they were doing beforehand, but in a completely new, completely new environment. So so yeah, so it looks as if there is a real business need to be creative. So what stops us from being creative? What gets in the way of that, do you think? Good question. That's a bit of reverse psychology, and thank you. <laughs> what stops us being creative? You get the positive one in a second. Oh, great. We'll start okay. with the negative Good. one. Good. So let's start with the negatives. Okay. Um, I, I'd say there's maybe three things I'll bring up uh, here. So I'd say interruptions. Uh, perfectionism and what should I call it self-limiting beliefs should I dig into each of those yeah 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 Um, the first one a slightly random uh, source on this one so the Monty Python and 40 Towers writer and comedian John Cleese uh, wrote a book on very short book um, uh, on creativity and and he identifies interruptions as a key culprit Mm. that stops us being creative and and he quotes research that shows that after an interruption it can take eight minutes for us to return to our previous 
state of consciousness and 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 even says that we may never return at all <laughs> to that point of creativity so i'd say interruptions is 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 one thing that blocks us um the perfectionism piece um or more specifically that the fear of making a mistake can also get in the way of creativity and uh, there's stacks of psychological research into stress in the professional environment and this tells us that there is a tendency in professional services environments such as law um, for people to be prone to this perfectionism trait which means striving for flawlessness and setting really high standards um, and it can also be accompanied by very critical self-evaluations, including the evaluations of others. And uh, th this can lead to quite a difficult track record where creativity and innovation is concerned because particularly those in the legal profession can tend towards the secure, the risk-averse, uh, the precedential. Um, and, and whilst this pr propensity towards risk aversion arguably serves us well and our clients in the provision of legal services, it can simultaneously stifle our ability to be more creative, mm. to reimagine how we practice law um, and, and even how we build our businesses to meet our clients' ever-changing needs. And self-belief. Okay. As well, the self, was it the the self? The yeah, limiting self limiting beliefs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's because it, again, creativity is receiving increasing attention hmm. as a critical success factor in the quest for organisational innovation. But I, I, we find that people often have a fixed mindset that either they are a creative person. Or they're not. So again, that quite binary distinction, and that can be quite self-limiting. Um, so in comes the self-fulfilled prophecy that if you tell yourself you're not creative, well, guess what? You're probably unlikely to be at, at your creative best if you've got that self-limiting belief. And whilst there are there are positive correlations between certain personality traits such as openness and extroversion with creativity, the more extended psychological research provide useful reinforcement for more of a, an interactionist theory. So yes, there's personality traits that maybe lend themselves more easily to creativity, but it's also the environment that we work within. So the, the, the good news here is that creativity isn't necessarily something you're born with, you know, the whole nature-nurture debate, but um, it's something you can learn. It's a skill. Um, and actually, we can all uh, play a role in creating a conducive environment to help uh, ourselves and our teams and our organizations, organizations to be more creative. I mean, it's I, I, I agree with, with with all of those. Um, and, and certainly, you know, perfectionism is something that we see we see a lot of. Um, and I, I guess what it what it does is, you know, um, good ideas have to go through various iterations. They rarely come uh, fully formed. 
And you know, I always think there's a, a quote by Miles Davis, the, the jazz trumpeter. Well, not a quote, but he always used to like you know, relish if one of his band members made a mistake because he saw that as a springboard to actually do something different. So, okay, they've done this, right, I need to improvise from here. And actually what we produce could be much better. So rather than seeing it as a negative, it was, well, actually, this is an opportunity to become even better. Mm. Now, I want to return. We'll come back to the self-limiting beliefs because there's something you said there, Ali, which made me think of, um, yeah, some of the, some of those workshops we run where you, you'll always get, um, yeah, you present people with a load of post-it notes. I know, you know some people absolutely hate this, but you'll always get the enthusiasts who'll rush in and they want to fit as many post-its as they can. Mm. And then the others who hold back and say, look, I'm really not good at this mm. type of thing. But I think there is a value for that type of person. And I think we may get to that a little bit later. Mm. But before we do, you know, do you think there are things that, well, I suppose we could we could flip it and say, well, don't be perfectionist, you know, don't get interrupted and uh, don't have self-limiting beliefs. But are there other things you think we could do to put ourselves in a more creative mood or frame of mind? Mm, yeah, and uh, th there are definitely things that we can do to, to counter uh, what stops us being creative. And, and maybe we start with those examples around you know, let's take the view of John Cleese that interruptions are bad for creativity. So um, the, the thing I would suggest there that what, what we could do to counter that is, is, is actually start think about creating some boundaries. And, and, and I think clearly during the pandemic, homeworking, you know, we, we've regularly heard that those boundaries have become quite blurred between the home, the office, you know, the home as the office and, you know, your your dining room table or part of your home has become uh, where you work. So uh, it, it's become difficult, uh, clearly, uh, with, over the last couple of years or so. But um, it, the, the technique we can do to try and minimo, uh, minimise those interruptions is to um, try and go somewhere where you're unlikely to be disturbed. And maybe now we're starting to get back into the office, or some of us are, we can try and do that. Um, can you block out some time in your diary to resist the temptation to constantly check your emails or, or switch your Jabber status if you have Jabber to do not disturb and just just maybe leave your laptop behind and and go somewhere with a pen and paper and let your tortoise mind meander and start drawing some mind maps or something. You know, do something a little bit different that, that is going to just give you that space to yourself. So I'd say that's one thing. Um, how do we, countering the perfectionism trait as well. I mean, we, you, you and I, and so we've run creativity workshops together with our, our Linklater's lawyers, our clients and, and business teams. And we've um, included naming the, you know, the, the, these often experienced creativity challenges up front uh, in, in, in these sessions. So we've acknowledged that, for example, not having a precedent to fall back on or initially sharing ideas can feel quite risky. Um, but by naming those challenges up front and also highlighting the risks of leaning too much on what we've done in the past on existing work or precedent can also be quite risky. Um, so 
we've certainly found that by naming those challenges openly, we've been able to create a more psychologically safe environment to experiment with ideas, which has led to more creative and efficient solutions for our business and for our clients. So I'm not sure if that quite taps into what you were alluding to a moment ago. Yeah, so it's, uh, it is that thing around sort of creating boundaries or a safe space to do this. And uh, you know, I've always been interested in you know getting out of the usual environment. So um, I always think it's quite ironic that you. Um, that you're asked to think outside of the box. I know it's a cliche, but you're then taken to a room with no windows um, and made to think outside of the box when you're actually in a box. Um, so even little things like going outside and, and going for a walk, I think can, can sort of change the way that you, <clears throat> the way that you look at these things. Um, in, in fact, to the extent now, some of my colleagues have banned me from going for walks because of some of the ideas that, that I generate. Um, <laughs> but I was just thinking, if you go to it with a tortoise mind, it could be a very slow walk. Yeah, but, um, it could be gone a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, actually, the thing I wanted to get, I, I, I wanted to get on to next is I've heard you talk about um, convergent and divergent thinking. And could you just explain a, a little bit more about that? And also... Um, there's something I know that you often include uh, a pre-mortem. So if you could talk about those, that, that would be really interesting. Sure. Yeah, of course. So um, so firstly, the uh, convergent, divergent thinking piece. I mean, some of the most popular creativity assessment tools are divergent thinking tests. Um, so imagine you're given a test where there is more than one correct answer. And you're actually encouraged to come up with as many answers as possible. So this is uh, known as divergent thinking, which is the ability to generate multiple responses to problems. And creativity research uh, cites that divergent thinking abilities are particularly important for creative thinking and, um, and invention. So with divergent thinking, we're, we're doing exactly that and we're going wide with our brains to explore as many ideas and possibilities as possible. So conversely, convergent thinking requires us to go small or narrow, um, which means to zoom in and focus on lots of different proposals or ideas um, to select the solution to uh, achieve the target goal. Um, the other creative thinking method that you touched upon, which sounds a bit scary, the mm. pre-mortem, it's not as scary as it sounds. So I've I've used this in uh, learning and development workshops and particularly around, with kind of a project feel to them. And um, the, the project pre-mortem uses uh, the concept of perspective hindsight, um, which is imagining an event which has already occurred to increase our ability to correctly identify reasons for future outcomes. So this, this pre-mortem perspective hindsight approach offers benefits uh, that, that quite often other method, methods don't. Um, and, and, and it's helped our teams to identify potential problems early on 
say in a project or, or, or program uh, and it reduces the kind of damn the torpedoes attitude um, often assumed by people who are over invested in a project or an idea and it's it's a really great again psychologically safe way to raise potential issues and problems and to come up with ideas and solutions to counter those weaknesses before going into mm. a project. Um, so you're actually strengthening uh, the business outcomes before you've invested too much time or effort going down a long path and then things going wrong and having to recover back. You're actually front loading that process and actually making the uh, plan stronger from mm. the outset. So I quite like that. So, so would it be like something you, I don't know, let's say we're working on a project and the um, and the end date is, I don't know, 1st of June. And we say, um, so imagine it's the 1st of June, your project has launched and it's been a complete and utter disaster. Um, what has caused that to, what has caused that to happen? Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, you, I think why it's so successful is it's quite disorientating, isn't it, in terms of time? Because you're having to look forward and then you've got to go back to the moment and then think what, what happens in the intervening period. So it's already kind of unsettling you a little bit. Mm. And I also think, yeah, and we... You know, we, we, I know we've done it where you've, you've, you can sometimes go to town and you can kind of get all kinds of kind of medical equipment out. And um, um, but what it does, it, it it's it's quite um, it's quite subversive. Mm. And I think because it's framed in that way as something which is serious, but still, you know, there's a subversive element to it. People can are happy or prepared to share criticisms or constructive feedback that they wouldn't normally do, but it's done in a safe way mm. and people don't take it um, as overt criticism. It doesn't damage the relationship, so yeah, it has that benefit. I, I think that's right. And, and it's a very, it's a highly collaborative problem-solving yeah. process. As you say, we, we've had lots of fun. I mean, I've had uh, very random, let's say creative ideas with having a, a, a fake kind of drawn-out chalk fake body on on the floor as 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 our kind of um uh, you know hypothetical project that's that's you know failed or died and then had doctors and surgeons on one team and then the antidote team to come up with the you know the medicine and you know what can cure this reason for this pro this failure um and people really get into it so it's lots of fun it's very creative it's highly collaborative because you've got these these teams within teams actually helping each other to strengthen a project. And, and then people are really invested in the success then of that pro project because they've they've really come up with those ideas. They own them. So there's really high ownership and accountability because they really want it to work. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and it's highly creative. It's also lots of fun. But... With, with purpose. Yeah. I must admit, Nathan, who is who is recording this podcast, when you started talking about body outlines, was looking somewhat nervous. So <laughs> I think we may need to reassure him afterwards. Yeah, um, and for our <laughs> listeners, it was not a real body. It was just a chalked outline on the floor. So please don't be overly concerned. <laughs> um, 
so th- so I think what's kind of emerging is that you know creativity it isn't just this kind of waiting like a poet in the garret for inspiration to to strike you know there are processes and methodologies we can use to sort of help creativity along the way yeah I, I would agree Ian and I, I think for me as well and if you look at any definitions around creativity there's an element of novelty in coming up with an insight or something that's new and maybe something that hasn't been done before um, which is great but then those people you're talking about maybe on the fringes that come in a little bit later you can be too creative and you don't just want wildly random ideas Mm. they have to land and they have to have purpose so I think those, you know, bringing in multiple personalities and, and, and different voices and different perspectives, you end up with a novel idea that has use, that has merit and value. And you need both in creativity. I, I, it can't be either or, it has to be both. So I think bringing different people in and different perspectives is, is what gives creativity that value. Thanks, Ali. And look, we're, um, we're, we're running out of time, but I like to um, just sort of focus in on, um, you know, so for all of those who are listening who want to bring a bit more creativity into their day-to-day um, work or day-to-day lives, what, what would be the three tips, um, you only have three, the three <laughs> tips that you would give them? So you're going to make me do my divergent thinking. Yeah, the divergent yeah, thinking. That's right. yeah, yeah. yeah, so we've done divergent. Mm-hmm. So now I need to converge in and just, yeah, yeah. just choose three. Okay, right. I would say the three things would be, firstly, create, try to create those boundaries. Um, we know it's difficult. We're all busy. You know, the world keeps spinning. Um, but if you can create those spaces in your diary, Maybe turn those one-hour Zoom meetings into a 45-minute Zoom meeting. Create those 15-minute chunks where you can give your brain a break from those back-to-back calls and meetings and allow your creative tortoise brain to come out and play a little bit. You know, you never know what insights will come up when you can just switch your brain off a little bit and just slow down to let your brain kick in, Uh, it's creative thinking. Um, The second one I would say is is really aim to create that psychologically safe environment, um, which we were talking about, to really unearth the creative potential of your people, you know, create that safety um, for people to generate ideas without fear of repercussion or you know over judgmental um you know responses because we need that novelty we need those ideas to keep coming into our organizations and you know really i'd say create that space um to consider how far creativity and innovation is or needs to be an integral part of your business strategy is it there is there enough of it you know, it, it, it needs to compete successfully with other business demands. Mm. Um, so have you got enough time and space in there? And I I suppose it would be remiss of me not to close with a, a, a plug around considering your training practices around all of this. It's, um, 
it's really important to develop the skills, the knowledge and attitudes that uh, support uh, employee creative behaviour. And if, 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 if you don't have that in-house capability, then find a way to bring that training in to upskill your people on how to do it. I mean, we are creating a, a legal design thinking toolkit which taps into some of this uh, technique around divergent, convergent thinking um, to help us to be a more innovative and creative business for our clients. And, you know, if there's anyone listening to this podcast that is really intrigued and interested in this, I'd say get in touch because... We love this space and, you know, we, we, we'd we love to hear from you and see how maybe we could explore opportunities to collaborate on all things creative together. So, um, I don't know, maybe invite our clients to get in touch with us. Yeah, yeah. We, would, we are always willing and happy to talk about creativity. Um, so, Ali, thank you very much uh, for, your, for your time. Um, and, uh, yeah, for those of you listening, uh, we will hope you enjoyed this episode and we will have other episodes out shortly. So goodbye. Bye. Thank you, Ian. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>